भगवान की जय श्री कृष्ण महाप्रभु की जय श्री हरिनाम संकीर्तन की जय श्री श्री राधा गोपीनाथ जी की जय घोर भक्त वृंद की जय घोर प्रमान सो माय प्रणाम टू ऑल ऑफ यू वेरी हैप्पी टू टू बी हियर प्लीज सिट इन फॉर द फर्स्ट टाइम चेक फ्रॉम पब्लिक You need to translate? No. Um. Ah, okay, okay, okay. But now with terms, I I speak never in a row. Okay. So this is my second visit to Europe in all these years, having been with the devotees and Swami uh, Maharaj and the devotees very kindly arranged some visits so I may get uh, your association. hopefully try to purify myself a little bit by engaging <laughs> in, in sadhanga shravan kirtan seva with all of you so <clears throat> uh, i know about the radha gopinan mandir for me for some years already about being a very special uh, portal if you will for <laughs> for darshan of different uh, whole parade no of different sadhus from different uh, background so it's a very interesting project basically because you don't find that very easily in any part of the world <laughs> the temple where you receive in a very wide open way and very kind way different sadhus bona fide <clears throat> practitioner from different moods but at the same time being part of this very same family and unity and diversity of mahaprabhu sampradaya so i i really appreciate this project and, and malati here been in charge of that for all these years also i have seen i have been seeing the lordships through some pictures in internet from some time ago so i also some some hankering was there to have direct darshan of them so i feel myself very blessed very fortunate to be here today and these days with all of you so i hope to to be able to serve you in whatever way I, i may may be able so regarding our talks these days i i, I gave the idea to malati if any of you would like to present whatever any question you may have and we may speak about something you would like to ask about or some topic you would like to hear in more if you will detailed explanation or if you don't have anything to say I have no problem to speak you will realize that in a few minutes <laughs> so no problem <laughs> but first I prefer to to hear if you have if you would like to hear something specifically so I may be able to serve you in a more you know, specific way speaking about something you feel uh, necessary urgent <laughs> or whatever you know, inspiring so now this is your turn any questions Someone told me that people from Czech Republic are quite shy. Yeah. No? They have given already that trailer, trailer, that preview. Yeah, that, uh, I'm always wondering these years, uh, all the, all the heart. 
Okay. All of you understood the question, right? Okay. Can I ask you a little bit of meat, uh, water? No, no, no. Medium, yeah. Ah, uh, well, okay. share some words about the role of the heart. That's a big, big topic. No? Many things could be said about it. <clears throat> and what to do with our heart? No, that's a very, very... Uh, it's a question that we should be asked, we should keep asking ourselves continuously. No? Every single day we should ask ourselves what to do with my heart what to do with my heart, what to do with my heart. What to do with our heart, that's a very important thing. Of course, when we speak about the heart, we, sh- we, have, we, should, we must understand what do we mean by heart. Now, we are not speaking about the muscle, if you will, heart. No? I mean, in one sense, we speak in a symbolic way, the heart. When we say the heart, we're speaking about ourselves. If you, for example, are speaking... You are speaking about yourself, and you have to point to yourself. And you say, I think like this. Where, where does your hand go? Where does your, I don't know if in Sex Republic your hand goes to the same place than in South America. <laughs> if you say, I am, where does your hand go? I am, no. I think, no. no. Here, straight here. <laughs> but never, no one, no one never taught us when you speak about yourself you have to point here because if not you will be making ridicule no no there is something that tells you I'm here something's going on in this area (laughs) we call that the heart it's another way of speaking about the soul because the scriptures it is described how the soul is mainly residing in that uh, specific area So, what to do with the heart? Well, I, I also like to say some words about the head. We have the head also. <laughs> we also should know how, what to do with our head <laughs> in connection to our heart. Because the, I think they are the two parts that we cannot live without them. If someone cuts our head, that's, a, that's it, it's over. If someone takes out our heart, we cannot sustain, basically. We can live without one arm, two arms, without legs, without heart, without head, no possible. So, what to do with these two important elements? <clears throat> How to harmonize them? Hmm? Prabhupada will say, Sila Prabhupada will say, too much uh, 
No, he would say, philosophy without religion, you know this famous quote, it's mental speculation. Our religion without philosophy ends in sentimentalism. Sentimentalism? Yeah, like emotionalism. So he said, one will help the other to be in balance. In balance. So, uh, we should soften our heart. Actually, our whole process is to soften our heart, to melt our heart. The lordships are there trying to melt our heart. Scriptures speak of the heart as a... Bhakti Notakur, the Bhagavad, will say, if you sing Krishna, even if you say Krish, no? <laughs> and your heart is not melting and, and tears are not flowing... You, you just do not need to end the whole Maha Mantra, the whole round, just the first syllable of Krish. Tears are not, are not, are not appearing as like waterfall. <laughs> it means your heart is still a, uh, a rock, stone, stone-made heart. So, we have to melt the stone, no? big challenge. <laughs> so day after day we are pouring no? the nectar of Sri Harinam over the stone-like heart and as, as, as if you have a stone and you put like drops like fall on the stone one, the other after 15 seconds after 15 you will say that's not, nothing is happening there no? but gradually the, melt, the stone starts to melt and here we are not speaking about any ordinary drop but Sri no? Harinam so so the project, the devotional project, is to melt our heart. So that's a big challenge. Of course, to reach to that realization, insight, first we have to also know what to do with our head or our mind, our body, our physical body, our psychic body. All there is, everything is there. No? So <clears throat> we, we find in, in the scriptures also these different gradations of instructions. So... On certain level, we will hear about chants, trinam, with the purpose of controlling your mind. Mantra, no? liberation, mental liberation. So that's one level of the of, of conceiving the practice. No? I will, uh, I will tame, tame in English, domar. I will tame the beast. No? <laughs> Mind out of control. Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, Bandurat Matmanastasya, For the one who has controlled the mind, mind will be the best friend. For the one who has not controlled the mind, mind will be the worst enemy. So, on some level, we should learn how to tame the beast. If you will. But that's not all. Our, our path is bhakti. So bhakti has to do with emotion. Bhakti is an emotion. Devotion is an emotion. So our goal is not so much to control the mind, but to awaken our heart. But in order to do so, we will have to put so many other things in order. <laughs> okay, our, our priogen, our long-term goal, uh, hopefully not so long-term, <laughs> it's as we say daily, to develop pure love, prem bhakti for Sri Sri and Krishna. <laughs> but what's implied in that idea? No? What, what, which are all those things that we have to deal with in order to 
arrive to that goal in a, a realistic way. No? It's not just repeating that and, I don't know, I will chant my 16 rounds and follow my four regulative principles till I die and then at the last breath, Sisirada Krishna will appear and I will go straight to Golok Brindav. Hopefully. <laughs> But not necessarily. I mean, it's not a mechanical thing that I do something in certain quantity and end result is that. <laughs> of course, sometimes our acharyas have said that, like trying to inspire us. But of course, our chanting, our practice should be with a particular uh, mood, you know, feeling, desire, basically. You know? If I'm chanting, but I'm not, I do not desire to serve Sister Radha and Krishna Golobrin down. Krishna won't be so cruel to send me there if I don't want to be there. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we should, uh, we should uh, like imbibe our practice of a particular mood. And of course that's something that gradually starts to manifest. It's not from one day to the other. And sometimes before such a degree of emotional, ecstatic experience, we should learn how to put in place maybe many relative things. <laughs> we may need to put in place some emotional stuff from our past and so many things on a physical, mental, emotional, psychic, material level. And the practice itself helps for that. Which means cleaning no? the mirror, the dust from the mirror of the mind. So that's a, an analogy, but what's implied in that act? Because you just imagine, I go to the mirror, I clean the dust, it's over. Now I see my face, my real reflection, I'm there. But what does imply? It implies in the practice, no? to clean the dust from the mind. No? Different, different stages that we should be willing to, to go through. No? I'm going to the hard question. It's a gradual process. <laughs> it's not so easy to go get immediately to the heart. You know, once Guru Maharaj said, from the head to the heart, we have like, I don't know, 20 centimeters? Maybe. You, say, you tell me. But maybe to go through that so-called, apparently called, a short distance, we may need 20 lifetimes. <laughs> to go down from here and finally reside here forever. So we should know how to, what to do with our head in order to get to our heart. We have a head. We need to use that. Eh? We, Krishna consciousness is not uh, something that, uh, how to say, no? that wants people automatons, you say in English, like robots, just doing without thinking. But of course, we don't want also the other extreme, no? just because... Actually, it's not an intellectual affair, Krishna consciousness. But we have an intellect, so we have to do something with that. <laughs> and we have a mind, and we have a body. We have physical body, we use in seva. And we have a psychic body, we should use in seva as well. <laughs> Different types of bodies. With my physical body, I do so many services. With my mind, my intelligence, I should also engage them in, in services. No? <laughs> Actually, our Acharya say in our, in, our, in our psychic body, we have much more opportunity in one sense to render seva. For example, physically, you may like to offer Trisirada Gopinath a garland of lotus flowers. But maybe they are not available now in Sex Republic this season. <laughs> or they may be, very, may, may be very expensive, whatever. But in your mind, oh, you can offer a whole lake of lotus petals and flowers and shower. 
And that's real. I mean, that's not imagination. I mean, one thing you are doing with your physical body, the other thing you are doing with the psychic body, you are using a different body, but if your heart is there, Christians is accepting the offering, no? you know. <laughs> and we realize, oh, generally we don't use that uh, device too much. <laughs> so it's, it's a great potential in our psychic body also for trying to engage it in different aspects of service. In your mind you can think about worshipping your Guru Maharaj and serving him in so many nice ways. And if you are honest in that meditation, that's real. I mean, it's not fantasy. <laughs> or if that's fantasy, whatever you do with your physical body is also fantasy. But the idea is that it's not fantasy because everything we are doing, if not, is fantasy and it's not the idea. <laughs> we are here trying to go out from fantasy. So, once Guru Maharaj said that, no? To go from here, from here, 20 centimeters, maybe sometime, some lifetime, maybe require, no problem. <laughs> we are not in a hurry. Our, our process is not about mukti. So we are not an- anxious for getting out from here, actually. <clears throat> actually, we are anxious for learning how to serve properly. No? When, you, when we know how to serve properly, we may be in, in whatever circumstance. Bhakti Nautaku said, Oh Lord, you can take, send me to a birth of a, an aunt. No problem. But please do not deprive me of Sadhu Sangha. And if you don't want to give me Sadhu Sangha, I don't want any position, nor that of Brahma, whatever. I, want, I only want your mercy, and your mercy means the association with your devotees. That's, a, that's how Krishna shows um, his mercy. That's a very important point. I don't want to go off the topic, but for a while. Sometimes we pray to Krishna for mercy, <laughs> and Krishna sends replies to our prayer giving us Sadhu Sangha and sometimes we think okay Sadhu Sangha came so let's see what can I obtain through the Sadhus and that will be the mercy but actually the, the Sadhu Sangha in itself is, is, is Christian mercy to my life no? so we have to learn how to properly conceive what's Christian's mercy in our life the chance of getting in touch with saintly people. I mean, that's the goal, actually. <laughs> we don't want Sadhu Sangha for obtaining something beyond Sadhu Sangha because there's nothing more than that. Krishna himself is looking for Sadhu Sangha. Mahaprabhu is Krishna wanting to experience Sadhu Sangha, to be a devotee. <laughs> Imagine. No? Sometimes the Mayavadis want to be Krishna, but Krishna wants to be a devotee. Mahaprabhu, Kijai. <laughs> and we are already, or we have the chance already to be devotee, and sometimes we are not enough satisfied with that. We, we want something else. <laughs> but God Himself wants to be, to stop being God and start being a devotee. <laughs> so you can see how the, the goal of life, the goal of Krishna's life to be a devotee, has came to our life already. So we should be just jumping celebrating that opportunity. <laughs> so, uh, we should use our head, returning to the topic, <laughs> and we should use our heart. The two are there for some reason. Mm-hmm. Once one devotee said, we should use our head to soften our heart. That's the purpose of having a head. <laughs> some people have a big head, big brain, big mind, big whatever. Okay, no problem. 
the capacity that okay use all of that potential faculties to soften our heart but do not allow yourself to soften our heart without using your head that's an important point also because it's easy to just become emotional okay. ah, but you are not making proper discriminating properly about certain things I mean you can go to the cinema and see Romeo and, and Juliet you see in English and, and you feel oh I'm feeling so much emotions here <laughs> yes I'm sure <laughs> but not, that's not a philosophy based emotion <laughs> we, you don't need too much philosophy to, to cry in the cinema seeing Romeo and Juliet no? with all respect to them <laughs> Some philosophy is required to go beyond that. No? So when you hear Krishna Lila, Mahabharata, Ramayana, please do not cry in the same way as you cry in the cinema here in Romeo and Juliet. No? That will be Sahaja. No? Oh yes, I'm so emotional, but with no concern about the, let's say, philosophical um, background of, of that. No? So Bhakti is an emotion but it's an emotion that is sustained in a philosophy. It's a very important point. It's not a cheap emotion. Cheap emotions are at that cheap emotion. I mean, it's not difficult to, to feel, I don't know, anger, wrath, envy. All those are emotions. I can assure you. Kamma, Krulda, Loba, Madha, Moha, all that are emotions. Pride, lust, emotions. But you don't require philosophy for that. Actually, the, the exact opposite is required. Not to have any philosophy. <laughs> and the result will be Kama, Krodha, Loba, Mada, Moha, Matsari, all that. No? So you will, be having, you will be riding an emotional wave, but that's not a very ecstatic emotional wave. <laughs> so when we speak about emotions in bhakti, emotions proper, actually the stage that fully corresponds with that is called bhava. So, bhava is the preliminary stage to the prema bhakti, the ultimate goal. <laughs> I'm saying this, why? Because sometimes we want to feel a lot of things now, but maybe we have to go through some stages in order to finally get those feelings. <coughs> because we may read about what Mahaprabhu, his associates were experiencing while chanting, the Goswamis, our acharyas, you say, oh yeah, I have to be feeling that. I must feel that. I'm not feeling that. I'm not feeling that. <laughs> so, and you have to know why that's happening. What the motion is not coming. <laughs> because maybe you are in, I don't know, in, 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 in the third stage of the practice, let's say, Barjana Kriya, Narta Nibriti, but you are expecting an emotion that cor- corresponds with ruchi or ashakti. <laughs> so that will come at the proper moment, but not now. But something is coming now, so you have to recognize what's happening now. Once one devotee said to Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati, Gurudev, I'm chanting, but I don't feel anything. <laughs> so there, there are different answers to that, but once he said, you don't feel anything, okay. No problem, continue. The devotee said to Prabhupada Bhaktisanta, I chant, but I don't feel anything. He said, okay, no problem. Like saying, and who say that you must feel something now? 
the point was, do not be so attached to feel something, huh? that Krishna makes you feel something. Try to become more attached to make you feel Krishna something. <laughs> huh? Because very subtly, we may be conceiving the whole process as something that has to make me feel something. Deity had to make me feel something, Prasad had to make me feel something, devotee has to make me feel something, and I'm not so concerned about making the others feel something. <laughs> so, so, in a very subtle way, that there must be some exploitation there. No? Oh, Gurudev is coming. Oh, he will sing so nice, he will do this that likes me so, I like so much. But very subtly, you may be just enjoying your senses from what Gurudev is doing, but maybe you are not thinking, how can I make him feel? Something. Of course, you will say, "Who am I to make my guru feel something?" But once again, that's false humility, <laughs> because by His grace, you should be able to give some offering back and please His heart in some way or another. Once, Bhakti Pragyankeshwara says something very strong, <laughs> minimum, <laughs> and he said, "When you take darshan, when, when your guru there is there." And you appreciate many of his qualities and you glorify them, saying like, he's very humble, very tolerant, very whatever, has so much knowledge. But you are not appreciating his saranagati, his surrender, and thus you are not becoming inspired to culture that surrender yourself. Most probably, he said, you are just enjoying your senses with your guru's qualities. <laughs> oh, he sings so nice. Oh, he knows so much. Oh, he smiles at me so nicely. <laughs> and I'm not saying, I mean, it's bad. I mean, Gurudev's kind, he smiles, you feel okay, no problem. I mean, I'm not saying, if Gurudev smiles to you, you should feel terrible. I'm not saying that. <laughs> but we, we should be very careful not to just remain there. In, oh, they are making me feel something. But how can I reciprocate, basically? Ideally, we should progress into that idea. How can I reciprocate? Because when, you, when we start to realize the dimension of the gift we have already received, actually, if we really realize what we have already received till now, not what to speak tomorrow, now, now, today, <laughs> if we really concede that, we won't, we, we do not, we won't have the... the, the <laughs> The valentia, bravery. We wouldn't have the bravery to ask for more. I mean, we. I mean, when we realize all that has come to us already, we wouldn't ask for more because we will realize so much has already come now. So now I just want to try to reciprocate that, not to ask for more. <laughs> At least we, I will ask for the strength to be able to reciprocate what has already come to my life, basically. <laughs> <clears throat> because sometimes if you not know, we can ask Krishna Krishna give me mercy and Krishna will say I already gave you mercy <laughs> and you you are not seeing that and you are asking for more <laughs> and I gave you more and you are not seeing that and you are asking for more <laughs> so it's a vice circle so I already gave you mercy so now pray in, to, in, in, instead of asking for mercy ask for the mercy to see the mercy that is already there basically <laughs> And when that mercy comes, you realize, oh, I won't ask for more mercy. This is so much. 
This is more than what I, what can I, I can ask, I can conceive, I can deserve. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so in this way, we should be willing to mm-hmm. to harmonize these two principles. No, I mean to to understand emotion, mm-hmm. but also, let's say, thinking head. No? So our our heart has a big emotional potential, big emotional potential. So what we are trying now in our, in these stages is we are trying to replace the center basically. Actually, the center is always the same, Krishna. But false ego means I think someone else is the center, and that someone else, of course, it's me. <laughs> but of course. It's not like that. I mean, it's not possible that I may be the center. Because of that, that's called Maya. Maya means something that seems real, but it can never be real. Illusion. So we think we may be in the center, but it's not possible for us to be in the center because we are not the center. So when we, in, in practice, through bhakti, through service, association, we start to awake to the fact, I'm a servant. I'm in serving unity of the, as Sila Siyamara will call it, the organic whole. <laughs> I'm just one part- particle, atomic particle serving, in serving this position to the organic whole. So when I make that proper adjustment in my life, um, basically whatever I will feel will be in that context, in that connection. So, all those emotions will be uh, legal, if you will. <laughs> legal, no? But, but in the very beginning, hmm? uh, some, I, I always tell the devotees, like joking, no? Sometimes, so many times I've heard the devotees saying, Maras, I'm chanting my rounds and do not feel anything. <laughs> so many answers are there to say. One of them is, well, you feel that you don't feel anything. You are feeling something already. <laughs> Try to be positive. No? You are feeling something that you don't feel anything. <laughs> That's something. Once one devotee, one Prabhupada Bhakti Center say, when we chant Harinam, we should be crying for Krishna. Sila Prabhupada say the same. This chanting is like the genuine crying of the child who lost sight of his father. So one devotee asked Prabhupada Siddhanta, okay, we have to chant, we should chant for Krishna, but what if I cannot cry? I mean, it's not a... I mean, you can study theater and, and cry whenever you want, but actually, <laughs> if I have to... What if I cannot cry for Krishna? So Prabhupada Siddhanta said, well, in that case, you should cry because you cannot cry. <laughs> not like saying... Try to, to reach some point of feeling something, and maybe feeling something in certain stage won't be feeling ecstasy, maybe feeling repentance, because I do not feel what I should be feeling. Mahaprabhu is giving that example in the Sikshastana. If you pay close attention, Bhakti Nautakur has made this very clearly. Each verse of Sikshastakam is a progressive no, development of the different stages in Bhakti. Try to think about it. I don't know, think in the second verse, Mahaprabhu is lamenting because he doesn't feel anything for the holy name. <laughs> and go to the seventh verse, where he's saying, oh, 
tears are falling like waterfalls in me. You say, well, <laughs> we recite the verses daily, but when you reach the sixth, seventh, eighth verse, if you are sincere, most probably, at least in my case, I feel, I'm not feeling this. <laughs> I'm repeating it, praying to someday get there, but I'm not feeling this. I'm not feeling a moment in separation, like a millennium or 12 years or more. In my case, I have to be honest. But when, but you should learn, well, get to some of those verses and identify with some of the emotions presented there. So, each of the six Shastakam verses are different emotional dispositions that Mahaprabhu is expressing for the sake of the practitioner, so the practitioner can identify him, herself, with the, the stage where he or she is in. And from there, make further progress. So, second verse, Mahaprabhu says that. No? He, on one side, appreciates the incomparable, incomparable? Incomparable. Sí. Glories of holy name. You have unlimited names. In all those names, all your potencies are there. All shaktis are present inside your name. And there is not only one name, but unlimited name. Asankhya, uncountable names. Because each name of Krishna corresponds with a particular type of love that he is receiving. When Jasoda goes to Krishna and takes him on her lap, Krishna becomes Jasoda Nandan. At that moment, he's more Jasoda Nandan than Gopina. When he's next to Radha, he's Gopina. In the sense, there's a name, I mean, your mother will call you whatever, name. He will call you my husband or whatever. There's a particular rasa, if you will, there. Particular relationship, particular name corresponding to the relationship. So many relationships with Krishna, his rasa, rash, akila, rasa, so many names. So many potencies there. Tatrar pitaniyamitash marane nakala. No far or harsh rules, no fast or hard rules for chanting. The highest thing given in a very liberal way by Mahaprabhu. So that's too much already. But one more line at the end says Mahaprabhu, But my misfortune is such, Durdaivam means misfortune, Anurag, Nanurag, sorry, Na Anurag. Na means no, Anurag means emotion, attachment. But we are speaking hearts, no heart feeling something for them. So all these things are in the name, but my misfortune is such that I don't feel what I know I should be feeling. So misfortune means anarthas. Anartha means false value. So <clears throat> what, there's one emotion there. Mahaprabhu is saying, I'm so unfortunate that I do not feel anything for the holy name. But actually he's feeling what? Repentance. <laughs> and that's a very important emotion. <laughs> I mean, try to understand that humility is also an emotion, tolerance, patience, repentance, proper repentance. No? And, and most probably we should properly go through them before feeling 
astasattvic avikar, all these ecstatic transformations described in the scriptures. <laughs> we should learn to, no? to go through another type of emotions. We should be willing to, one devotee to say, well, if you want to, 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 to offer a drop to Krishna, maybe a, a tear from crying won't come, but you can offer a drop from sweating in intense in, in, in heaven. Huh? Huh? If you want Sudha Bhakti, I will make a play of words in Spanish here. Uno tiene que sudar. To sweat? Sweat in Spanish, sweat, you, you say Sudha. So you want Sudha Bhakti? <laughs> Sudha. <laughs> of course, Bhakti is not only something external. There, there has to be something internal that takes you to do something external. But if someone is externally really engaged in Seva, ideally it's because something internal is vibrating there in the heart that takes the person sincerely in that direction. <coughs> so, uh, in the very beginning we should be willing to, to go through this emotional initial disposition. But in, in a healthy way. When I speak about repentance, I'm not going to, like, guilty, you are a sinner, and, and you just end up maybe in a depression, like, hole or whatever, no? But in a healthy way. To call, once Thomas Merchant said that, I like that a lot. He said, humility is a virtue, not a, not a neurosis. <laughs> Because you say neurosis, paranoia. Say I have to be humble, okay? But do not end in the madhouse. (laughs) Do it properly, (laughs) because sometimes you force some level of humility or tolerance or even surrender. Sometimes we hear the word surrender, and we may feel I have to say I have to say yes to everything. I have to deny any desire personally, and maybe I'm not ready for such a level of surrender. But I may force myself into that, but with time, it will be difficult to sustain. I have seen so many examples over the years. Sincere people trying to do things properly, but without having the proper like orientation in that regard, and conceiving things in maybe in black and white. No? You are surrender. You are not surrender. You are devotee. You are karmi. <laughs> you are a demon. <laughs> Sura, asura. <laughs> no middle point. No? <laughs> Yesterday you were not devoted, today you got initiated, now you are devoted. You are on the other side. And nice, you are initiated, but it's not so black and white. I mean, maybe before being initiated, you are already devoted. You know, on some level. And after you got initiated, you are more devoted, maybe, but still the non devotee is there in some part. <laughs> No? So we should really be realistic with all these considerations when we speak about the heart. So, so yes, the heart is there, and we, we should be feeling something at every at every stage of the practice. Maybe in this stage we won't be feeling what the pure devotee is feeling, but we sh- we should be feeling what corresponds with the particular stage we are in. Because if we don't feel anything, we will get frustrated. And we may feel, this is not for me. 
that can happen also. I'm not feeling. But again, first try to inform about what you should be feeling in this particular stage. Because if not, you may be projecting an emotion that corresponds with two decades more. <laughs> or whatever, two weeks more. Or, or on the opposite, you maybe want to feel something that you no longer should be feeling. <laughs> that happens also. Once I hear one, one devotee say, Oh Maharaj, I would like to feel that thing that I felt the same the first day I entered into the temple. And all those first days, I felt, no, I don't want to go back there. Not because it was horrible, it was beautiful, but life is dynamic. It's like if I say to my mother, Oh mom, no, my first year with you was so charming. No? I want again to go back there and you change my clothes and I urinate myself and you change me. I should say, no. <laughs> it doesn't sound progressive. No? I mean, <laughs> life is dynamic. <laughs> I mean, very nice that stage. It was necessary. I, I, I thank my mom for that. <laughs> and the same way in, in our devotional experience, we had our kindergarten stage. <laughs> But now, most probably, Krishna wants more from us. He wants us to go through maturity and PhD, if you will, in devotion of entertainment. So, so we shouldn't be like be captured by nostalgia only. Oh, do you remember those times? I mean, we can remind, remember old times and thank that, but not get stuck there. Because that's a very tricky thing. And you can... Re- become like trapped in the past and everything was better in the past and now things are worse and you start to compare oh that's one of the worst things you can do in your life no? you want to be in anxiety I give you a very quick formula start comparing so you start to do comparison anxiety immediately is involved there so we should be dynamic no? so if the past was beautiful in order to honor that beautiful past, let's try to make it more beautiful present. <laughs> In such a way that the future will be even brighter, and so on, from until eternity, forever. So in that way we should be trying to, 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 to pay attention to our emotional side, even to the material emotional side, <laughs> that maybe has not so much to do with the heart or with the mind, but we may not be ready for fully transcending that yet. So, for fully transcending that, we, are, we may not be ready to transcend all material emotions. Um, and it's okay. I mean, you cannot be a devotional superhero from morning to night. <laughs> First, you have to learn how to be a devotional human being. And after that, try to be a devotional superhero. <laughs> Because if not, in the name of transcending, you may be even become inhuman, indifferent, hard-hearted, in the name of being transcendent. It's a very subtle thing there. I won't allow myself to feel anything for this, for this, because that's material, that's temporal, only I will feel for Krishna. <laughs> but if you are not feeling too much for Krishna now, <laughs> and you close your emotional door to anyone else, you become like in some sort of limbo. Emotional limbo, you cannot feel anything for anyone. <laughs> and that's not a very uh, happy condition. 
So we have now a sense of identity, and we are constructing an eternal perfect identity huh? in the spiritual world. And that's a, a big project. <laughs> so, but now we have to do, we, we should know what to do with my present identity, with my present emotions, feelings, even the material ones, that I know they are material, and I know I have to transcend them, but maybe I have to transcend them some years, some lifetime. <laughs> and also one point what does it mean to transcend something no? sometimes we are understand transcendence as like discarding something no? dismissing Okay. oh I realized this was Maya I will transcend it but no actually transcendence means integrating things no? what, what is already there try to integrate that in a higher synthesis in a higher expression and that was transcended. For example, you have a family, uh, and you had the family before meeting the devotees. Hmm? Uh, you may say, "Oh, I realized that my family was material. I was attached materially to them. That's the root of entanglement. I have to transcend that. I've heard that so many times. <laughs> I will follow the." the steps of the saintly kings in the Bhagavad and I will leave them as the same way as I leave the stool in the bathroom and all those quotes <laughs> you say like whoa <laughs> now, if you do copy paste and take that literally that, that may be very delicate <laughs> so uh, actually transcending your family means not leaving your family means transcending your false sense of proprietorship over your family Family is not a problem. You are the problem. <laughs> if you see your family as your family, your wife, your son, my house, this Ahammameti, I, me, mine, that's the whole problem. Once Bhakti Notaku said that. Samsara, he defines samsara as I, me, mine. <laughs> if your sense of I depends of your, on your sense of me and mine, no? Do you follow? I mean, if according to what I possess, I am, that's a problem because nothing is yours. <laughs> so that's samsara. That's what maintains the cycle going on. So you don't need to reject anyone. You just need to accept everything from the proper perspective. And the devotional perspective is, is capable of embracing whatever circumstance and transforming that into something spiritual that's Yukta Vairagya put Krishna in the center and that's all Prabhupada Sila Prabhupada would give that example in the material life whatever we have is compared to zero no value zero 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 many, you may have one thousand zeros it still values zero <laughs> but Krishna is the one so you put the one before all the zeros, oh, all the zeros manifest value now. So all the previous things had value, but because you were approaching them without a divine perspective, there was no value. There was no value in your perspective, not in the other person. <laughs> Everything has its value. So... <clears throat> Well, some words I can continue speaking about that, but 
maybe there may be there can be some other question or topic. If not, I can continue. No problem. <laughs> oh, basically, the idea of the play was there were many characters. <clears throat> there was one main character who has like there was some heart made like drawn, and the person was with the heart in his hand. He was trying like to give no? his heart to, to one person, to other person, to other person, and and all the different people were not dealing properly with that heart, basically. No? There was not ideal reciprocation. So different characters were there. No? The, my character was the, 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 the most, the wildest one, I think. <laughs> he invited me to be like a like abortist doctor or something like that. No? And I enter into the play like crazy, very crazy. <laughs> it was not myself, actually. <laughs> Or maybe that's my hidden monster. <laughs> oh, well, everyone was playing a different character. The, the idea was that I tried to give my heart in so many directions, but people do, generally do not know what to do with that. No? That's the point. And of course, the happy end is he, he finally ends meet someone who knows what to do with with that heart. No? Because that's very important. You go to the you do make the experiment. Go to the street and say to some person, "Excuse me." I would like to give you my full heart. The person will immediately call. How do you call here? Not the Uber, the one you are working? You will call that one, no? Immediately. Take me out of here now. Big, like, like big commitment. Someone wanting to give me his full heart. That's too much. No? I don't want to take that responsibility. Huh? So, so one one may be really frustrated in life, trying to give the heart and no, thank you, no, thank you. Or they receive, but they oh, like they take and their and your heart returns like you say like well this was not the idea. No? So so well of course eventually you discover where to give your heart, no? in which direction to give our heart to really really open our, our, our ourselves. No? That's a very important point with the heart. No? Sadhu Sangha. We start to speak about Sadhu Sangha. So. Sila Siyarmas explains in his commentary to the fourth verse of Upadashamrita, when he speaks about revealing your mind to the sadhu, it's another way of saying revealing your heart. And he says very beautifully, if you want the sadhus to enter in your heart, first you have to let them enter in your heart. And if you want the sadhus to enter in your heart and to fill your heart with all the things they have, first you have to empty your heart in order to be filled. <laughs> hmm? And the souls are there to help you in that project, how to empty our heart from all the unwanted uh, elements so that can be fully no, filled grace, love, devotion. So that's actually Sadhu Sangha. <clears throat> Sadhu Sangha is not a social event. No, Sadhu Sangha is opening my heart in front of the Sadhu so he, she can make like surgery there. No? Enter and start like to... <clears throat> of course, that's not a forced exchange. 
confidence, trust must be there. I won't give my heart to anyone so easily. It's something that you you won't give your heart to, to any person, but to some specific person. So at least we should find one person that we may feel here's my heart. Do what I, do what you consider with that. You know more than me what to do with my heart. <laughs> That's a, the whole idea of a sadhu. No? Sadhu, real sadhu means he or she knows better than me what to do my, with my own heart. <laughs> so I surrender to that person means I open my heart voluntarily, not for in a forced way, so that person can enter and make the necessary arrangements there. And we should trust. Even though it may appear that he's doing something weird, <laughs> it's not weird. We are the weird ones. <laughs> so, like when we speak about this, I don't know how to say it in English, the decorador de interiores. Well, like the people who you pay someone to go to your house and redecorate the environment. So you pay to someone, the person will come, and first thing that person will do is will start to take things one after the other. This no, this not here. So you will think, wow, I'm paying this guy and he's like destroying my house. <laughs> no, but he will say, no, 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 no. I know what I'm doing. Just first, this is the first stage. After that, we will start the ornamentation properly. So the sadhu is, the guru is doing something like that. <laughs> you are investing yourself. They, you give them the password, the key of your heart. <laughs> They enter and they, it seems they are like, and you're like, oh my God, no, no, no. Please, let that there. <laughs> and he will say, but you invited me to redecorate your house, your home, your heart. <laughs> Trust in my style, <laughs> he will say. <laughs> and that's the test of our surrender, basically. No? If we say, okay, we say, no, 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 stop there. <laughs> okay. It's, a, it's not a forced process, no? But we should gradually be more and more open to that, to, to open our hearts more and more. <clears throat> so that's what the play was about a little bit. <laughs> I gave some extended explanation, but basically it was not. <clears throat> Something else? Some question? Commentary topic? Yes. What's your name, sorry? Anapurna. Um, 
That's a good question. Because we spoke a little bit about the heart, and we spoke about the head also, and the importance of the head. Also, one function of the head, if you will, is discrimination. Buddhi. Buddhi means discrimination. So, discrimination is not a bad word. I mean, you can discriminate in a bad way in the world. It can be racist and all this, but you can also discriminate in the sense of discerning. This is called Vivek or Bichar. And that's necessary at some point. Silarupa Goswami in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu describes the three types of devotees, which are also described in this verse that you quote. And he mentions that one of the attributes of the neophyte devotee is that he doesn't discriminate too much. The intermediate devotee, he discriminates in a proper way. And the highest devotee <laughs> does not discriminate at all, again. <laughs> but from a different point than the neophyte devotee. The neophyte devotee maybe is not discriminating from a sentimental point of view. And the highest devotee is not discriminating because he's seeing everyone is engaged in Christian service and have his whole vision. So ideally, we should, if we want to become Uttamadikar, Uttambhakta, the highest devotee, first we should try to become intermediate devotee. <laughs> uh, and that means learning about the importance of proper discrimination. And, and why is this important? Because someone may say, why to discriminate between devotees? All are devotees. Yeah. I mean, if we speak about the circle of devotees, all are devotees. Yeah, we agree. But there are degrees in their devotion. And we don't want to discriminate just to say, ah, this is high, this is low. No, not from that side. <laughs> but in order to serve them bet, better, best, in the best possible way. If I, if I serve a Kanishta Dikari as if he was an Uttama Dikari, that won't be good for him, because he won't be able to deal with that level of service properly. <laughs> and vice versa, of course. Because love, love is specific. Huh? I mean... A mother loves his child <laughs> in a particular way, but he loves his hus her husband in a particular way, and her mother in a particular way. Yeah, she loves all of them, but different ways. There is discrimination. She's not going to her baby as he if he's her husband. No. Some discrimination has to be there. <laughs> So in the same way between in this society of devotees, while one should also learn how to properly identify different Vaishnavas. So I may serve all of them in the best possible way. That's the, the intention. So 
an initial neophyte devotee, it's not bad to be a neophyte devotee. <laughs> I mean, you are already devoted, that's glorious. <clears throat> so I'm not saying neophyte like in a derogatory way, but we shouldn't remain there forever as well. <clears throat> uh, so, again, a neophyte is not so much feeling the necessity of discrimination. But we feel Rupa Goswami and other Acharya are speaking to us. That's there. Discrimination is there. So it's important to, to understand no, different degrees of devotion. Because if not, you do not... You, your practice still is not specific. It's very general. So in the beginning of our practice, we will be general, abstract, if you will. <laughs> and gradually everything has to become much more and more specific. Naturally, not in a forced way. Like I, as I said the other day in, in Bulgaria. <clears throat> in the beginning we may arrive to Krishna consciousness being atheist, for example. God doesn't exist. So after that we, we learn or we feel, okay, God, God exists. And the goal of life is to love God. Okay. But that's too abstract yet. <laughs> Which type of love for which aspect of God? Okay, okay, okay. Love, uh, love, prem bhakti for Krishna. <laughs> okay, we are getting somewhere. So, but which type of prem bhakti for which type of Krishna? <laughs> because you have Krishna. First, you have to reach Krishna. Some other may say that there are so many aspects of God: Vishnu, Bhagavan. Narasimha, Ram, okay, Krishna, Krishna, okay, Krishna. Krishna Dwarka, Krishna Mathura, Krishna Vrindavan. You have to become specific. You may say, okay, Braja Krishna, Krishna Vrindavan. Okay. So I want Braja Prem, the love of the Braja Vasis. Okay. Which type of Braja Prem? So someone may say, I don't know, this classical language, Sampradaya, Madhurya, Madhurya Bhav, Madhurya Seva. Conjugal love for Krishna Vrindas. Okay, but that's still generic. <laughs> Which type of Madhurya Bhav? Do you want Parakya or you want Swakya? You have options. I say, okay, Parakya, Parakya. <laughs> okay. Lover, not married, relations, lover with Krishna. Okay, Which type of Parakya? <laughs> Rupa Goswami will ask you that if you say that to him. Tad Chadmika Sambhogichamai. Do you want to experience direct love relationship with Krishna or serving Srimati Radharani who is experiencing the direct relationship? So you may say, okay, serving Sri Radha, Radha Dasyan. Okay, which type of Radha Dasyan? Through the guidance of which mandari? So finally you may get some irreductible point of serving under the guidance of Rupa. I'm giving an example to show you how specific the thing can become from saying love for God and <laughs> of course so many things in the middle and we shouldn't rush in that direction but and this also applies to the relation with the devotees we say we should serve Vaishnavas 
honor Vaishnavas. Yes. But which type of service, which type of honor, which type of love for which type of Vaishnava? We should become our feelings more specific so we can render a better service to the other person. So, in this verse, Rupa Goswami speaks about that, how to reciprocate with the three levels of devotee, Kanishta, Madhyamutan. So, sometimes there is a four example given, no? But, but basically, yes, he's saying to the... Mahaprabhu says something similar also in Chaitanya Charitamrita. No? He says, the person who once said Krishna already considered a devotee. Wow, very generous. Mahaprabhu is very generous. <laughs> he said Krishna, okay. He enters into the category of Kanista Bhakta. Wow, that's Mahaprabhu Gita. <laughs> the one who is always chanting on a daily basis with certain steadiness, Kirtaniya Sarahari, Madhyam Bhakta. Mahaprabhu say later, the one whose only presence makes others chant immediately, Uttambhakta. <laughs> he doesn't need to even open the mouth. He just, his, his only presence creates Kirtan. He's living in Kirtan. Whatever he goes, whatever he or she does, creates Kirtan. So yes, we should learn how to properly serve different personalities with high, topmost devotees. We should really serve them as superiors and surrender our life. We should also know how to deal with uh, devotees who are in the same situation as ourselves. All this is implied in the verse. Equals. And there are some newcomers who are, I don't want to say inferior, but with, who are new and who deserve our like paternal parental affection like taking care of them, guiding them eventually they may prove to be higher than us <laughs> but the point is we are serving them the three stages are serving them how do I serve the superlative devotee how do I serve the equal it's not because it's equal and I'm friend with him or her I'm not serving I'm serving that person through friendship and to the newcomer I will show a particular form of service and there's one fourth extra consideration that sometimes says the envious person envious person <laughs> how to serve the envious person we are, now we are outside the three tribes of devotee and if Anachakarati Thakur said you should take some distance from the envious person that's the best thing you can do for serving that person <laughs> because envy is such a, an ugly thing that if you get close to that person, immediately the poison starts to appear. So you, can, you cannot do anything. To that. So the best thing you can do is take a distance. That speaks about how unbecoming envy is. So, <clears throat> so we should learn how to relate with the different devotees. No? Superlative devotees, we offer special veneration and worship and, and a specific type of mood Mm-hmm. With my Gurudev, or with, or with our Gurudev, Diksha Guru, Siksha Gurudev, we will relate to them in a very special mood. There will be some reverence there. Of course, not so much reverence that it creates a, such a distance. Affection has to be there, but not ordinary affection. Affection couched in reverence, if you will. Bishram Bena Guru Seva, says Rupa Goswami. 
disciples should develop some affection for the Guru, but affection in the context of service and surrender. <coughs> One Srila Bhakti Vichar Vishnu Maharaj gave the example. He said, first five years, the father and the son, he said, the, and he made the parallel with Guru and disciples. First five years, the father gives everything to the son. No obstacles, no denials. Son wants something, you have, you have whatever you want. Here you have. From five to ten, or from six to ten, father starts like to, like to, no, that no, no, that no. And the child, no, starts to like educate, like to. So if those two stages were properly experienced, after that, the relation between father and son will be like friend, friendship relationship. Still they are father and son, but there is some sort of friends, friendly feeling between them. So ideally that should happen eventually with one's guru also. In the beginning guru then will may say yes to everything. <laughs> and, and, we, uh, and after that he will start like to enter more into our life, correct, you know, like we, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> that's mercy also <laughs> I thought mercy was only the the caressing, the embrace, the smile the nice class and kirtan but now, oh my god I, I'm starting to, to experience a new dimension of mercy but the Buddhists are saying to me that's the highest mercy Silasya Maharaj wants to say that no? says uh, the, the, the chastisement that comes from the upper regions, that's not something ordinary. <laughs> and once he said, Oh, Gurudev has chastised me, it means he considers me his property. Oh, I'm saved. <laughs> if Gurudev considers me his property, I'm saved. I'm his property. And for you to, chast- to chastise someone, you have to consider that person your property. There has to be some confidence. You won't start to chastise anyone there <laughs> so, um, so there should be some nice relationship and with equals the relationship is different no? it's very difficult the relationship with equals in one sense because for example there there was really a very nice article about envy between the devotees <laughs> and the author said that generally our envy expresses with devotees, if we have if we have envy, it will mainly express with equals. With someone who is very high, you will be like admiring and glorifying Jai Gurudev. And with someone who is very new, you won't be envious of that person because you are already. No, you think yourself, oh, I I am somewhere. He's just coming, and I will help him. I will be merciful, but I don't I don't have anything to be envious from him. But with equals, oh, <laughs> that's a problem. <laughs> all that thing may start to appear, no? Um, sometimes all that, you know, like manifesting in community dynamics and relationships and all the things, but that's part of the, of what we have to go through, of, of course. No? Because we are preparing, projecting ourselves to to the eternal community of Malog Bindao. That's the only perfect community. <laughs> Don't expect any perfect community in this world. <laughs> Try to perfect the community, but do not get discouraged if there are still some elements. The devotional community in this world, because 
There's no perfect devotional community in the material world. That's Golovin down. So here we are trying to exercise our community muscles, biceps, so we may be able to enter into the perfect community. Once one devotee asked Guru Maharaj, said, Guru, why there is always some quarrel in the community, this problem, that problem? Why couldn't we have only such a perfect... Why there is no possible to have a perfect harmonic community? You know, like... <laughs> and Guru Maharaj said, you are so... How do you say ingenuo? Ingenuo. Ingenuo? Innocent. Like, yeah, naive, innocent, yeah. Say, so you are so naive, so innocent. We are not in Golok Brindavan, he said. <laughs> like saying, those things are there for you to go through that also. I mean, there is some teaching there. <coughs> those situations are, testi- are putting you into test, are showing you where you are standing now. That's what, what Kunti Devi showed, the standard of Kunti Devi. No? Send me more tests, basically. We may say problems, but I will translate that as she was asking for tests so she could have her devotion being tested. Interesting, no? very brave. Pray to Krishna, send me tests so I can really see where I am standing. Because if no test there, it's easy. I mean, I may think of myself so many things, but when the tests come, you realize, oh, <laughs> I'm here. No? So that's nice because it's, it's some real thing coming to you, showing you the truth. You are here. Like it or not, you are there. So from there, continue making progress. But you need to know where you are in order to project a new stage in your progress. So we should be willing to be open to pray in that direction. Krishna showed me, sent me the necessary tests, the necessary problems, the necessary relationships, circumstances that will show me where I am standing now and where should I be standing tomorrow. Basically, you know? I, I I pray for that. I'm willing to that. No? Hopefully, I will pray goes in that direction. And of course, sometimes Krishna replies, and we realize, oh, I was not up to the answer, <laughs> and I'm like escape from Krishna's reply to my prayer. But Krishna is as a merciful father. Okay, not not ready yet for that, <laughs> but gradually. He hopes that we may be ready for that. So gradually we, we will understand it. So it should be very important to to, to to learn how to properly relate between the devotees. That's a whole art. That's a whole... Uh, once Gurudeva Tulananda said, we should uh, like graduate, you say in English, graduate, when you obtain graduation, when you obtain PhD, whatever, you got... Degree. Huh? We should obtain the degree of being able to speak from Vaishnava to Vaishnava. That's a whole degree. <laughs> because sometimes we speak from whatever other thing to Vaishnava. <laughs> but in order to have Vaishnava to Vaishnava conversation, we should rise to the platform of Vaishnavism. We are in a very nice place here that's so much sponsors Biswa Vaishnava the concept of World Vaishnava Association and, and as we speak all with devotees we should also 
learn to apply those ideas of unity and diversity and appreciation and flexibility in our mind, starting by ourselves, in our own temple, in our own community. That's part of the project of Bhishma Vaishnava Raksava. Every single community is very important to express that. No? So, <clears throat> yeah, that's the all in all, no? Sadhu Sangha. <clears throat> Once Srila Bhakti Pramod Puri Maharaj was asked, was asked that, no? when he was, uh, that was his 100th Vyasa Puja. <laughs> He lived for 102 years. So he was a devotee from his very birth. And more, of course. You can imagine, 100 years of devotion. <laughs> so someone asked the question no, on the birthday. What's the most important thing you learned in this century of devotion? Try to imagine the question. To someone like Sila Purimar, no? In one century, the most important thing you learned, everyone was with their <laughs> wanting to catch them. <laughs> he answered in a very simple way, <clears throat> but very essential way. You know? and coming from him, if he says so, we should be real willing to go deep into that answer. So he said, the most important thing I learned in these 100 years of practice is that without the devotees, I'm nothing. End of the answer. So it seems, oh, yeah. No, no. <laughs> it's, there's so much there. <laughs> he could have said so many things, but he chose to say that point. So, so there must be something very important to consider over and over again. At least for 100 years, we should consider that. Till we reach that conclusion ourselves. No? Without the devotion, that means without properly relating myself with the devotees, because, of course, it's not only without the devotees, but I don't know how to relate with themselves. Without proper sadhu sangha, without that, I'm nothing. In other words, I may have the sadhus there, but if I don't know how to relate with them, I'm nothing. <laughs> the Uttam Paramah, Uttam Bhagavad Paramahamsa, whatever, all the types you want, can be here in front of your face. But if you don't know how to relate properly there, you may be still nothing. <laughs> so, the point is there. Sometimes we may ask, where are the devotees? Or some people ask me, Swami, where is my guru? How can I know who is my guru? Who is my guru? <laughs> I will ask them, first ask yourself, where is the disciple? Because you have to do your part also. If you, is the disciple there in yours? <laughs> in yourself? <laughs> Because when you are ready as a disciple, immediately you will find your guru. <laughs> your guru may be here, but if the disciple is not there, you will still keep asking, Where is my guru? Where is my guru? And the guru is asking, Where is the disciple? <laughs> we are looking for a real guru, but gurus are looking for real disciples. <laughs> Real gurus are not looking for followers, for money, for fame. They are looking for real disciples. People who, whom they can really invest their, what they have in their heart to, to those sincere souls so they may continue no, with this transaction. That was the idea. No? What Sukadev Goswami went out of the womb of his mother and went running directly to the forest he didn't want to know anything about this world. 
Ambiasadev ran after him, not calling, son, return. Sometimes I heard the devotee saying, oh, Ambiasadev was attached to his son and he ran. But how can Ambiasadev can be attached to his son? So actually the explanation is, he was running behind Sukadev because he knew he's a proper disciple that I can share with him all the wealth I have in my heart. So I need someone like him in order to continue this. <laughs> so he was able to bring Sukadev with Swami back. He sent some wood cutter to the forest, say, sing this this verse of the Bhagavad, this verse of the Bhagavad. With this, I'm sure you will catch Sukadev's attention. <laughs> Sukadev returned like hypnotized hearing the verse of the Bhagavad until Vyasadev's ashram. And there he learned Bhagavad from his father. So... Gurus are looking for real disciples. So. <laughs> Once someone asked Guru Maharaj also, what's the service that, what service I can do to please you the most? I can do, or, or any disciple, I was, it was not a personal question, but what service any disciple can do to please you the most? So here answer, become a pure devotee. That's the answer. That's the service. <laughs> Of course, we do so many other things, and ideally, in order, so that helps us to advance in that direction. No? But that's what pleases the Guru the most. Once one devotee also asks Sila Sila Maharaj, Guru Maharaj, uh, please give me one service. No? <laughs> and the devotee was expecting that maybe Sila Sila Maharaj will say, go and cook something, or clean the bathroom, or broom, pass the broom, sound like menial service, but he was asking to Srila Bhaktivedanta as the Goswami Maharaj. <laughs> so he said, Guru Maharaj, can you give me one service? <laughs> Some service? And he answered, change your angle of vision. That was the answer. <laughs> he had seva for the rest of eternity with that. <laughs> so, if you change your angle of vision, you will, you will realize, oh, everything is a service opportunity. <laughs> So in this way, no, we should gradually try to qualify ourselves more and more as disciples, God brothers, gurus. In one point, everything is synonym. The best disciple will be guru, naturally. Even though he's giving or not initiation, doesn't have to do with giving officially something. It's a guru, an acharya, something, someone who teaches with example. No? So if someone is really exemplary, that person will be preaching even without speaking. We, found, we find that example in our Sampradaya. How did Mahaprabhu converted Sarvabhoma Vatacharya? The greatest logician of all India. Imagine. In India there are many great everything. The greatest logician in India was converted by Mahaprabhu. How, which was the... the the strategy of Mahaprabhu, just he sat in front of Sarvabhoma for a week. He didn't say one single word in silence. But his, his example was so powerful that he didn't need to say anything. <laughs> his only presence was the preaching, basically. He sat, he listened to Sarvabhoma, but something very powerful was emanating from him in silence. After seven days, the greatest logician of India was like totally like, what's going on here? And after that, Mahaprabhu said two, three things, 
and Saloma was jumping and dancing ecstatic in Kirtan, trying to totally convert. <laughs> so Mahaprabhu is Krishna in his Acharya Lila. No? Krishna as an Acharya, showing with example. In Vrindavan, of course, he's given example, but not so easily understood. No? Lying, stealing, and no? being a playboy. But, <laughs> of course, properly understood, that's also Achar. But we need to go through Mahaprabhu to properly understand Krishna. So, in the same way, no? Achar means behavior, and Prachar means preaching. Interesting, you know. But try to, to, to follow the idea. Prachar means preaching, but the word Prachar includes Achar. Achar means behavior, con- conduct. And Pra Achar. Pra means a very special type of. Achar means behavior. So, a very special type of behavior means preaching. <laughs> that's the meaning of the word, actually. No? In other words, that's the main thing, preaching. Give a proper example. And sometimes you speak something. St. <laughs> Francis said that once. He said, you have to always man- maintain yourself preaching the gospel, and when necessary, use some words. <laughs> Like implying, main preaching will be your own practice and example. That will speak for itself. And sometimes some words here and there. In my case, I speak so much because I don't have too much example and conduct to give. So, so much blah, blah, blah from my side. <laughs> if some progress will be there, I will just sit and... <laughs> what to do? Okay. I don't know if we are on time. Some more, one last question for finishing. If there is some, if, you, if there's time, I don't know the timings here. I can, have, <coughs> I can have a short one. The question may be short, the answer I, I cannot assure you. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, few times I've heard that uh, we should consider ourselves to be uh, rather on uh, some kind of pre Kanishta level than the actual Kanishta, something like this, even under Kanishta. But I haven't find anything like that in Shastras, and I don't know if it is not some kind of over-humble statement, or if it is... Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what, what sometimes has been said are... Is, I, I also... I, I never find anything like that also, like pre canist or whatever. But what sometimes it has been described, <clears throat> mainly what one disciple of Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta is like, gradations between these three types of devotees. No? Because of course we say Kanista, Madhyam, Uttam, but it's not like today I'm Kanista and tomorrow I became Madhyam. No? I mean, it's a very like gradual process. Again, not black and white. No? Between black and white, they say there are 256 varieties of grey. No? <laughs> so sometimes this is described like Kanista, some general three divisions. Kanista, Kanista, Kanista Madhyam, and Kanista Uttam. Neophyte, Neophyte, Intermediate Neophyte, Superlative Neophyte. (laughs) And like this, the same. Madhyam, Kanista, Madhyam, 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 Uttam, Uttam, Kanista, Uttam, Madhyam, Uttam, Uttam. But this like pre-Kanista and all this stuff, I've never heard. But, I mean, 
if someone wants to explain some point using that term, I don't have a problem if that's properly presented. But pre-canista will mean before meeting the devotees, basically, you know, before before saying Hare Krishna, as Mahaprabhu said, he said once canista, <laughs> no, conditioned soul pre-canista, no? the previous stage before entering to the first neophyte official, no? and and being a canista. Again, being a kanista is a glorious thing. I mean, it's not a cheap thing. You already have some adhikar from bhakti. Kanista adhikar. And, and, and as I said the other day, a, a kanista may be a little bit sentimental, may not have too much knowledge of scripture, may not be discriminating too much, but may be really uh, sincere, well-situated, little naive, but honest. <laughs> so if that person has proper guidance, eventually will become Madhya, Mutam, etc. But if that Kanista is not open to progress and change, when the opportunity presents itself for changing, and that Kanista rejects the opportunity and sometimes even attacks that in a neophyte, sentimental way, that person can even stop being Kanista and commit Vaishnava Parad. So there is a risk a bigger risk for Vaishnava Parad in the Kanista stage than the higher stages, as you can imagine. And if you commit heavy Vaishnava Parad, you can even stop being a Kanista Dikari because Bhakti can be uprooted because of Aparad. So that's the only delicate point of being a Kanista. It's a glorious thing if you are, prop- if you are honest, sincere, and have proper guidance. One example, no? one Kanista one devotee may hear a Madhyam Bhakta, a Madhyam devotee, who is giving a more, let's say, progressive uh, discourse, no? some ideas more substantial, or explaining, speaking about his guru in a more substantial way, and for a Kanista that's like, it's, that's confu- it's a confusion. He can't understand and he thinks that's wrong. No? And and he well he may he has two options there thinking he's wrong he's offending Gurudev and actually he will be offending that devotee or going to his Gurudev or to whoever is guiding him and saying that devotee said this and I feel he's offensive because he said this and and my guide will say no no he's not offensive he's actually more advanced than you <laughs> and he's saying something that you cannot digest now so by the moment take some healthy distance from that topics because you get confused focus in your present but appreciate that and understand that that's the next stage to attain if that guidance has to be there because if not the canista has has the risk of misunderstanding higher discourses and offending that that happened with I don't know many cases Sila Sila Maharaj many disciples of Prabhupada went with Sila Sila Maharaj and they were expecting Sila Sira Maras to repeat what Prabhupada said. But what's the meaning of, of him saying the exact same thing of Prabhupada? I mean, he had to say something new. And he, they heard something new. <laughs> some appreciated that, but some thought he's not saying what Prabhupada said. And from different perspectives, some may say, okay, he's not a bad guy, <laughs> but he says something different, so in order not to be confused, Let's take distance from him and let's stick with what Prabhupada said. But maybe they did not offend, but some others 
really offend. Say no, he goes against Prabhupada. He's, but actually, he was saying what Prabhupada would say to them if he would remain alive, if in one sense. But they were not able to appreciate. Because we may say, Prabhupada said, but we may also say, what Prabhupada should be saying now? <laughs> because the discourse is evolving, it's dynamic, it's not always the same. Of course, the soul is always the soul, Krishna is always the Supreme Personality of Godhead. But how do you say that new realization that comes from that constant movement? No? So, but again, the, again, still being a kanista is a great thing. No? <laughs> so we should appreciate that. No? This one short story that I, if you allow, I can share about that from with Silabakti Pramod Puri Maharaj and Silabakti Rakkaksyal Dev Goswami. Maybe you know it. Very nice. <clears throat> Once Silapuri Maharaj sent his disciples to to hear from Sila Siddhar Maharaj. Silapuri Maharaj was already quite old. He was not able to go himself. But he wanted to go. For him, Sila Siddhar Maharaj was his Siksha Guru. His, the immediate representative of his own Guru Dev. Especially in that famous moment when when Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta asked Sila Siddhar Maharaj sing Sri Rupa Manjari Pad, but someone makes Sila Puri Maharaj sing and Prabhupada said no no I don't want to hear a sweet voice I want to hear Sila Siddhar Maharaj so, you can imagine the situation try to put you in the position of Sila Puri Maharaj your guru is leaving the body no? he asks someone to sing but someone else makes you sing and you are singing and you may feel I'm singing for my guru in his last moment and your guru stops you and says no, he will sing <laughs> for, in some cases you may feel oh no <laughs> and the other person if you are not properly situated may become my enemy he, he, he was the one who sang I wanted to sing but in the case of this higher sadhus that never happened and at that moment Fusila Puri Maharaj when Prabhupada Sianta said Sira Sir Maharaj sings Sira Puri Maharaj said Immediately I accept Sia Maras as my immediate Siksha Guru after my Buddha. <laughs> so, so, he sent his disciples to him. And Sila Sia Maras was speaking about the three types of Vaishnavas, no? Kanista, Madhyam, Uttam. In his, in his very dynamic language, I mean, if you don't know Sila Sia Maras, you may, you may really misunderstand many parts of his discourse, because he speaks in a very particular way. But you have to be prepared to follow his <laughs> his ideas. So he was speaking about the three types of devotees and the typical service services that all devo- that devotees perform. We say Kanishtadikar is mainly connected to deity worship. Bhagavatam says that. With this, we are not saying deity worshiping is for Kanista, but means the Kanista generally conceives Krishna and me. And now nobody else. He's not able to, to relate properly with the devotees like this. In that sense, deity worship. Madhyam, he said, like following very strictly his guru's order, establishing everything properly, preaching in a very proper way. And he said, Uttam means someone that can take the process and make the necessary adjustments. With, with a big genius mind and adjusting everything. So he gave examples of his God, God brothers in those categories. But he was not saying my, my God brothers are in that level, but their main activities were connected 
to the activities that characterize those types of devotees. So he said, Kanista Adhikar Silapuri Maharaj. Madhyam Adhikar Bhaktidaita Madhav Maharaj. Uttam Adhikar Bhaktidanta Swami Maharaj. So he was not saying Puri Maharaj is a Kanista Adhikar. He was saying Puri Maharaj, all his life, great part of his life, he was engaged in deity worship. So deity worship is one activity that done with certain mentality is characterized by Kanista Bhakti. But he didn't say, he didn't explain all that in detail. <laughs> he only said Kanista, Puri Maharaj, Madhya Madhu Maharaj, Uttam Swami Maharaj, and he continued speaking. So you can imagine, there were disciples of Puri Maharaj in the class. Because Puri Maharaj sent them to the class. Here, Sira Sira Maharaj, and tell, tell, tell me what you heard. So they were hearing from Sira Sira Maharaj. Your guru, there is a, they interpret that. Puri Maharaj, Kanista Dikar. So you can imagine, they didn't hear any other thing after that in the class. They were just... So they returned, no? And Sila Puri Maharaj was like, waiting for the news. Share, share the Harika Dab, Sila Sira Maharaj. No? And all the disciples were like... <laughs> and, and he asked, what happened? Why you have that face? No? And they say, no? and, and you, can, you realize the misunderstanding. They say to Sia Maharaj, no, the point is that Puri Maharaj said that you are a Kanista Dikar. So they interpreted it like that. Sia Maharaj never said that. But they projected their own under- misunderstanding into someone like Puri Maharaj. So they say to Sila Puri Maharaj, Sia Maharaj said that you are a Kanista Bhakta. No? So, what will be the reaction? <laughs> if we hear that, what will happen? No? Maybe. Who dares to say that I am a Kanista Bhakta? <laughs> He's insulting me. Right? But Puri Maharaj, he heard that. He was already 100 years old. He took his like trembling over his head and said, Oh. Someone like Sridhar Maharaj considers that I have some adhikar for bhakti. <laughs> he started glorifying Silasir Maharaj. His disciples were going. Okay. He's an, someone who reacts like that is an Uttan Bhakta. <laughs> because Purimaraj considered I don't have even Kanista, Adhikar for being a Kanista. I'm not even that. I'm pre Kanista. <laughs> And he started to glorify the person who apparently insulted him. So that natural, but, but that was so natural in him that actually that proved he's a, the topmost type of Vaishnava, superlative Uttamba <laughs> But with that he was showing, oh, Kanista Bhakta, some Adhikar for Bhakti, that's so glorious. So he started to like... <laughs> So we, even if we are in that stage now, I don't know, whatever, we should be feeling fortunate for that. No? Not like, ah, ah, or if someone else is that. Of course, that's not all, but if we want to get to the, the remaining stages, first we should properly appreciate the stage we are in now. With all the ordinary stuff that is, already, or is still there. <laughs> but be grateful for that, and from there try to humbly make progress to the day after day after day. And if you feel I'm making some progress, because you may feel that, you can feel that only in one way, by Sri Guru's grace and making some progress. It's, it's humility to recognize that, but in a very genuine way. I'm advancing. 
but it's not me. It's no, Guru Dev's grace. That, that's a higher humility in one point. <laughs> Sometimes I give in the class and I'm saying things that I realize, oh, what I say, what's in- interesting? <laughs> interesting words. But immediately I feel, but it was not me. <laughs> I mean, it was not in my plan to say that, and after that I will say that. So it's not me being a spe- speaking that specific thing. If some stupid thing is said, that's me. <laughs> I take the credit for that. But if something interesting happens, uh, I, I, me, myself, I become like a witness of what's like happening there. So it's not that I am capable, especially capable, it's just the grace of Sri Guru Mahaprabhu is so powerful that, as you know, it can make the, the, the blind see and the lame walk and you know, someone who cannot speak sing beautiful poetry. So, but all that is the grace. <laughs> Sri Guru and His Graces, like another Well, some ideas we wanted to share today regarding the questions. So, thank you very much for your time, your presence. Shri Guru Dev Patita Pavan Ki Da, Shri Mahaprabhu Ki Da, Shri Hari Nam Sankirtan Ki Da.